I met my best friend Anne in 1985. And the Babysitter's Club kept her friendship alive. Then Emily was born in 1988, and she said, Thanks, Aunt Esme. These books are great. Now we're all grown up, and we're living our dreams. As a writer, and a scholar, and an expert on teens. And we're gonna start again from the very first book, because we're stuck. Stony Brook. Welcome to Stuck in Stony Brook, a podcast about the Babysitter's Club. Today we're discussing Book 62, Christy and the Worst Kid Ever. Christy and the Worst Book Ever. <laughs> it wasn't great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This it was ghost yeah. written. I don't know if she's ghostwritten other books before but is it Noel Thacker yeah think, she has I think she did one that we like let me look really quick yeah I mean let's get into it I'm gonna start with a very uh descriptive and useful <laughs> one sentence summary as usual <laughs> okay mine is the BSC hates kids with trauma yeah that's mm-hmm. not wrong <laughs> yeah this was a really this was rough. This book was rough in a lot of ways. I see what Anna and Martin was trying to do. And I also, yeah, well, I have a lot to say in my corner. Um, that's a very reason- reasonable summary. My one sentence summary, which is uncharacteristic because I just got overwhelmed with all the trauma foster kid stuff. So I focused on the B plot, which is why do all these giant celebrities bother to send stuff to Stony Brook, Connecticut? So many celebrities. <laughs> yeah, that bothered yeah. me also. Yeah. Um, let's see. My one sentence summary is Claudia does not give a fuck because <laughs> she is barely in the book. And I think she, her, the only thing she really talks about is, is like food and giving, <laughs> there was Christy, a lot of junk food in this yeah, book. And giving though. Christy yeah. a makeover, but I feel like mm-hmm. she not, she did not chime in at all about the actual issues going on mm. in this book. Oh, yeah, because she, she doesn't babysit at the... No. Papadakis. I literally <laughs> just forgot their name. Book 62 and you can't say Papadakis. <laughs> I was thinking it was shorter and then I was like, no, there are more syllables. Like <laughs> The papaya. The, the okay, I will say I had trouble sleeping last night, so I read this book at between the hours of like 5 and 6 a.m. before I went back to bed. <laughs> wow. Okay, so this whole book is basically a fever dream for Emily. Why is I mean, okay. am I wrong in my assessment of it? Why is Esme dressed like Steve Jobs today? <laughs> oh, well, I had, I'm wearing a turtleneck, it's not black. I had on a, uh, you know, a Lexi Londall knitted sweater vest, original with a little tie in the front, but I got a little warm, so oh, okay. I took it off. Okay. A wee warm. It's a little a warm in here. All right, you guys, we should probably back up and tell you about the members of the podcast. I'm Esme Schaller, an adolescent psychologist. I'm kind of bossy, but I have a big heart. I'm Emily Crandall, a feminist scholar. I'm a total individual, and I like health food. And I'm Anne Ichikawa, a freelance writer. I'm a mischievous pragmatist with a sweet tooth. Um, if you want to learn more about us and help me know each other, check out the prologue episode. Also, rate and review us. It really helps people find the podcast. And if you have any questions, comments, or commentary about anything BSC-related, drop us a line at stuckinstonybrook at gmail.com. I feel like people aren't really writing us as often as I would like. Oh, okay. Big plug for more letters from Anne. Yes. Um, And don't forget, you can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash stuckinstonybrook. Okay, so it's been a while since we did a Big Five, BSC Big Five, Mm. but here we, we have one now. From Ooh, very from exciting. Great. Everyone say hello to Caitlin. Hello, Caitlin. Okay. Hello. <laughs> it's me. Hello. <laughs> it's me. Hello. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay. She writes us, I found your podcast through another Nostalgia Fave, a Sweet Valley High podcast, um, not too long ago. And you three have made my recent road trip so much fun. I love personality quizzes of all kinds, so I'm setting this up in the hopes that you'll tell me I'm most like my girl, Marianne. Ooh, pressure. Okay. Mm-hmm. Although the odds are good, right? Because most of good. our listeners are Marianne. Mm-hmm. I really love school all the way up until university when it all kind of fell apart for me. 
I was a huge teacher's pet in elementary school, and when my parents moved me to the boonies in the fourth grade, I became a bit of a loner who would just read, BSC obviously, in a corner by myself. In high school, I had a falling out with my two best friends almost immediately after we started the ninth grade, and I became a joiner as a quick way to find my new crew. You name it, I joined it. I was on student council, choir, drama, the announcements, gang, yearbook, etc., but I shied away from sports as I don't really like things for balls white in my head. More on this later. <laughs> That's a good tease. <laughs> yeah. In university, I very much found myself a small fish in a big pond. And while I managed to muddle through all my classes, I again reverted to my loner girl self. Oh, man. So can we pause for a second before you go on? Because that's a lot of mixed I know. Stuff. It is. I'm having a hard time pinning Caitlin down to, to one of the sitters there. Esme... There's suspense for Esme. That's fine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, here we go. I flip-flopped a lot of my life on the leader-follower dynamic. Currently, I manage a team of... Esme guessed the mystery. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Currently, I manage a team of 10 at an advertising agency, and I really love being part of the decision makers and finding a way to help my team manage work, creativity, and personal lives. But I'm equally happy following someone with a great vision. I've occasionally been led astray following the wrong folks, but generally I think I know when to step up and when to step back. That whole paragraph has strong Dawn vibes to me. A hundred percent. Right? Yeah. 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 Super okay. strong Dawn vibes. Cause like following the wrong people, I'm thinking of all these idiot boys and, mm -hmm. and sort of flip flopping with leadership style. Or getting carried away with like wanting, wanting Wendy to be feminist and Peter mm -hmm. Pan. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Fashion wise, I've been a bit of a chameleon. In high school, I used to shift from emo to preppy to arty and back in the course of a week. And in uni, I jumped from trend to trend trying to keep up. Now I only shop from ethical suppliers and I value comfort over trends, but I think I make it work. I love time. Ethical pieces. suppliers. Sorry, ethical suppliers. More Dawn. Go ahead. <laughs> I love timeless pieces and neutral colors and good quality fabric. And I'd like to jazz it up with a statement piece of jewelry or cool shoe. That that also sounds like you, Anne, which is, you know, one way that you're less like Claudia is <laughs> is you don't dress as crazy as Claudia. Like those those are sentences that you could have said, like good quality fabric yeah, and jazz it up with yeah, a cool shoe. It's true. <laughs> it's like I, totally. I, like, I like classics, but I like I like a, a statement, something. Yeah. <laughs> I like how the BSC Big Five has turned into just us Big Five. <laughs> Are you more Esme, Anne, or Emily? <laughs> uh, oh, okay. Romantically, I've been accused of being boy crazy my whole life. So it was a bit of a shock for my people when I started dating a woman at 24. Nice. nice. For a long time, I identified as bisexual, not wanting to close the door on my boy crazy past. But as I get older and more comfortable with myself, I prefer the moniker of queer. I predominantly date women now, but I think the term queer more appropriately encompasses the wide spectrum of human sexuality and gender. Fair. In a classic Burger move, I turned my hobbies into side businesses, and now I sell luxury plant-based candles out of my kitchen, and I'm running an eco-friendly oh, yeah. Airbnb outside of Toronto, Ontario. Come on. <laughs> Man, is so is jealous. Did you hear did you hear her voice? <laughs> she just, with envy. Yeah, she just keeps us guessing. I know. Um, I also love to read, hike, sew, and garden. And you can most often find me trying to DIY and making homemade gifts for my friends. Oh, and I got my period on my 12th birthday on the way to ballet class. Okay, <laughs> she's literally all of them. She really is all of them. <laughs> she just dropped, Caitlin, you just dropped ballet class in at the last second yeah, there. Yeah, like, that was thing. the end. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh. Okay, I still I mean, think she's yeah. most done. Yeah, I mean there is yeah. there is a Marianne vibe, obviously. For sure. Homemade gifts, um, loner teachers times. Pet, teachers loner pet. times. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but like Marianne is not boy crazy. She's romantic, right? Mm -hmm. Which we've learned is two different things. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um Yeah. I also feel like I could see Mal going on a trajectory from boy crazy to bi or queer. Oh, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. think it, like Mal's most, I don't know, like savvy about 
breaking the norms or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But <laughs> or I transgressing also, norms. Yeah. Yeah. I also think that's Dawn though, right? Because we see that's I true. Mean, show Dawn identifies as pansexual, right? I know mm-hmm. show Dawn is different from the book Dawn. Mm-hmm. And I think this sort of like, I know she was talking about work and leadership following the wrong people, but I think we see that with like Travis and some of Dawn's romantic choices, like Parker. She does mm-hmm. get boy crazy and obsessed in a weird way. And then I could totally see her walking that back at 24 and being mm-hmm. like, oops. Like, <laughs> yeah, just kidding. Yeah, Just kidding. I like the ladies. So, um, but yeah, I do that's think that's true. Mal also. Yeah, yeah. but I, I do get a strong, I do get strong Dawn. You're right. Okay. And the period at 12, that's like right in the middle. So it's mm-hmm. not, that's not much. I don't see much. Stance. I'm sorry. Period on the way to ballet is Jesse 100%. I know. It's true. It's true. But I'm saying like across the spectrum of them, it's not, it's not Christy or Stacy. True. Yeah. There's not much Christy. I mean, here. she does. She is entrepreneurial and that's very Christy. Yeah. yeah Christy's not going to make, you know, like Christy's not going to make something she's going to start. Like, I think Christy. Christy's version of starting a business is not, I'm going to be the business myself and my, I'm going to be making the product. Christy's like, right. I'm going to start a business where I hire a bunch of people mm-hmm. and like outsource Capitalize on their labor. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. Christy's uh, yeah, yeah. a capitalist. Yeah. But Christy's could, much more of a Christy capitalist. Christy could run an Airbnb. Yes. But I, so I think Dawn could too. And like the fact that it's all eco-friendly and all like there's like st- strong Dawn vibes throughout in mm-hmm. that. The, the the part that I feel like is more Christy is the like announcements gang and all of the other, which I just is a phrase that I haven't heard. Maybe it's Canadian, but I really like it. And all of the other extracurriculars in high school. Mm-hmm. That is a little bit of Christy to me. I don't see much Stacey. I don't see much Claudia. I think her job is a little Christy. Do you see any Stace or Claude? I see Stacy. I mean, I think like she is mostly Dawn, but I think what makes her both Stacy and Christy are both very competent and like mm-hmm. I feel like they could probably do anything they wanted to. Mm, yeah. I feel like yeah. Stacy just... definitely has that vibe of just like I can do whatever. Yeah, yeah, like just just do it type of thing and not mm-hmm. get like too hung up on things. Um, yeah, that's but, so interesting. We haven't graded them all in terms of competence, but I would, yeah, that's a really good um, assessment. Yeah. I think Stacey also flip-flops on leader-follower dynamic. Mm-hmm. Like that's true, Dawn. too. Yeah. Yeah. If she can okay. do both, but she doesn't really care. Yeah. Okay. So, no Claudia? It feels like more crafty than arty, right? Mm-hmm. Like sewing is more Marianne. And homemade mm. gifts is more Marianne. I mean, Claudia does make homemade jewelry and stuff, but I feel like it's less like I'm making this for you and more like I have to make things constantly and I'm going to give you some. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. unless Caitlin is Japanese, I don't know if she is. Um, I ha- her last name is not. Okay. She, she might be, she might be half. Uh, or it might be a, she might've changed her last name or she might be adopted. So mm-hmm. we don't know. I just want to assume that she's just white. You know, yeah, yeah, Emily and Esme. I just said, <laughs> I just agreed with you that we don't know. Don't know. <laughs> but also, assuming that she's Japanese, is I'm not also assuming, funny. but we shouldn't put it out. She's just, she's merely wondering. I'm merely wondering. <laughs> okay, what percent, Dawn? Seventy. Okay, and then okay. are we saying are we saying zero, Claudia, unless she gives us a revision and tells us she's Japanese Canadian? Sure. <laughs> okay. TBD. Yeah. <laughs> Please include your ethnicity in future no. BSD Big Five submissions. Yeah. Only, just only in case one relevant. You're zero, Claudia. Yeah. No, I think it's really only, you know, we, I mean, we, she is from like Toronto. the BSD universe. There's a yeah. lot of Japanese people. There's in a lot of, yeah. There's a lot of Asian people in general in Toronto. It's true. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, who, do we think Marianne is second? So like 40, 50? 50? Okay. And then the next most is Mal and Jesse and Christy. I think I would think Christy, Mal, and Jesse all kind of tied okay. and low, like fifteen, and then like five. Stacy. All right, does that sound good and to you? Do you approve? Yeah, that sounds good to me. Okay, woohoo! There's your big five, Caitlin. Seventy percent Dawn, fifty percent Marianne, Jesse, Christy, and Mal at fifteen percent, and Stacy at five percent. You kept us guessing. I liked this one. <laughs> Took a lot of twists and turns. I loved it. This was very the most fascinating one I feel like we've had. Yeah. Sorry, previous BSCB5. <laughs> and finds you not as fascinating as Caitlin. 
I mean, come on. <laughs> Every yeah. paragraph was a like, new surprise. It, I want to run an Airbnb. Yeah. <laughs> no, I want to make yeah. luxury candles. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> Caitlin, if you're looking to hire, <laughs> let Anne know. You could, and you could maybe name her candles. I could. I know you've done that before. Well, that was one of my like pandemic projects. I, I actually came up with a bunch of names for candles. Yeah. That were just like but you funny. just had no candles to no candles. describe them to. Wow. <laughs> Such so sad. I know. I'm not, right. I'm not happy. Right. Emily, you want to give us a real quick or both of you before I jump into my corner because I got a lot of stuff. Anybody want like a real quick A plot, B plot? I mean, not particularly, but Okay, the A plot is the Papadakis. Yeah, I would like to start it off with how like the first chapter of this book is just Christy describing the ideal family life and how wonderful her family life is. Mm -hmm. Just to really stick it to you when when Lou enters the picture. So the Papadakises are hosting a foster kid and the foster kid Lou is angry and the babysitters keep having to interact with her. Either she's with the Papadakises when they're at Christie's or in a couple instances, the sitters are sitting actually at their house and the babysitters, she's acting out being rude. And the babysitters are like, this is the worst kid. And they're like, uh, yeah, I mean, sure. Her dad's dead and she doesn't know her mom and she got separated from her brother, but like, she's a real bitch. If you think about it, it's kind of like they're, recurring take on the situation yeah. mm-hmm. and then should I like I don't know they should I spoil it should I tell the ending they eventually think they're making a little bit of headway and then um but like not really and then one day uh the social worker calls and tells the babysitter like I'm gonna come over in an hour even <laughs> though the parents aren't home yeah and the social worker tells Lou that and Lou's convinced that they found her mom. Mm-hmm. And the social worker says, actually, no, but your aunt and uncle have agreed to take you, both you and your brother. And Lou throws a fit. And then, like, they all kind of, the Papadakis throw her a, a, like, going away party, mm-hmm. I guess. And then at the party, she's, like, a new kid. She gets a puppy. And she, like, everything is fixed. Um, <laughs> That's a little more cynical than I think is how it was written. But, and it's also fair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the B-plot is, what's the B-plot, Anne? They need new computers in the computer lab at Stony Brook Middle School. So they're having a giant auction, and it's not a normal, I feel like schools do auctions all the time to fundraise, but they're usually silent auctions. Um, uh, But this is like an actual auction with like an auctioneer lady. (laughs) Yeah, like a professional one who's who's donating her time. Yes. Christy mentions. Um, And... uh, Everybody's trying to get prizes for it, and they're in this, like, weird competition with Cokie Mason because Cokie got power records, which is very funny to me. Having grown up at the origin, Anne and I grew up blocks from the original Tower Records. Um, so Power Records donated a three-minute shopping spree, and this was Cokie's Co- I mean, That's a really good prize. Oh, it's, like, it's I was amazing. thinking how many CDs I could get oh my God. in three minutes. Like, so many. If, if we won that in eighth grade, it would have been like, I, I don't know. I would have cried do you for just, three days. Like pick as many as you can, or do you go through the effort of like looking well, for you, ones that you, you want? You plan it before, so you know where yeah. to go. Enough of a Yeah, you horror. do a dry run. I yeah. thought about it. It's, it's psychotic. It's like, it's like supermarket sweep, but yeah. with CDs. Yeah. I would go for the box sets. Yeah. They're I mean, all in you can really do a many. lot of damage. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so the babysitters want to get good donations and they write to a bunch of celebrities to get like signed items. I assume Anne's going to talk about this more in her corner, um, but they raise enough money for the computer lab. And I, I don't, I don't think there's any connection, you know, the, 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 the line from the A plot to the B plot has gotten thinner and thinner as the series has gone on. And I, I don't know. I don't know what the metaphor is there. Yeah, other but what than, was like, the highest? People don't have enough bid for the auction it was we don't know the monetary amount we don't yeah Whoa. but the thing that supposedly according to stacy's calculations <laughs> makes the most money is 24 hours of babysitting from the bsc yeah mm-hmm. well it's more than a hundred dollars because that's how much cam gary's jacket went for yeah <laughs> that seems insane uh, mm-hmm. 
That seems low to me. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. All right. So foster kids. I'm sort of buckling up because we're definitely in this suite of books now where it, it used to be like every three to six books was like a very special episode. But we had Anorexia Nervosa last book. I mean, talking about primary series, right? The mysteries don't tend to be that very special. But we had Anorexia, the last book. We've got Foster Care today. Looking ahead, we've got Shay Radowski's Dyslexia coming up next. Um, so we're getting a lot of uh, Mr. Rogers-style teaching across the books. I did look up Nola Thacker. The other one that she's done so far in the series is Christy for President, which um, I think was a little uneven, but it was better than this one. Is this one worse than... Uh, it's interesting that both of these have the same topic. Is this worse than Jesse and the Superbrat? That was our previous winner for worst book in the series. Interesting. Okay. It's it might be clunkier, but I felt like Superbrat was really boring. But it's been a while. I don't want to reread it side by side. Maybe we'll do a poll <laughs> on the on our Instagram or something. So I, I want to start with what I think. Um, Anna Martin in the plotting and then Nola Thacker in the execution did write with this book because doing a book about a a kid in foster care is hard because it's not, there are, it's such a wide range of experiences, right? It's not like when you talk about Stacey's diabetes, there are some things that are true for everyone with diabetes, right? Your pancreas doesn't make enough insulin. (laughs) And in the mid eighties, you had to watch your diet much more carefully than you do now because the the treatment technology had not improved to the extent that it has now. Things like that are sort of universal. And the same could even be said for Mary Bramstead's anorexia. Like there, there are more similarities, but there are so, you know, for every hundred kids in the foster care system, there's a hundred different reasons why they get there. And they have some commonalities, of course, but it, it's really hard to write about this topic using one character I think it's harder than a lot of the other one-off special lessons we have gotten um, from the series. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, So, but I also don't think it would make sense to, you know, meet 30 kids in foster care. So I get why she did it. I, You know what's interesting about her letter to the readers in the Kindle version? Oh, yes. I was dying to know about that. Please. She doesn't explain at all what motivated Uh, a book about foster kids. The whole note is about how she had planned a foster kid book to be book 35 and it was called Stacy and the New Kids on the Block. But that was right when New Kids on the Block was getting famous. And so she got a ton of letters being like, when is the book about the band coming? And it just like fell by the wayside. And so this is the book about foster kids instead. And that's all she says about it. Like there's no... interesting. There's no like, I received letters from children in foster care who... Ask yeah. me, you know, why there's not a babysitter or a character yeah. like them or like yeah. none of nothing like that. Well, I would, I mean, it's not a surprising Anna Martin topic, right? And we knew she'd worked with children in a lot of different settings. And so I, I'm not surprised that she wanted to talk about it. And I was, that's, that's a bummer because I was interested in the letter to reader. So <laughs> I guess we don't, we don't glean, glean much from that. I think what she got right is actually the, the bitchiness of the BSC. Because I think that, you know, irritability and anger are really common reactions to trauma across the lifespan, but especially in younger children. And Lou is, what, eight? She's just a third grader. And if we list all of the things that have happened to her, um, it's, you know, no one, everyone loses in the trauma Olympics. So I'm not doing any, I don't want to do any trauma comparisons, but her story is bad enough for her, right? That's a lot for an eight-year-old to experience. Um, And one has to assume that having gone through separation from her brother, her mother abandoning the family, loss of her father, her father's death, um, and moving from home to home, um, that she hasn't gotten a lot of good one-on-one time to get her emotions validated, to learn, to understand her emotions, to um, understand the context of loss. And we'll get to things that, that I think the babysitters did poorly in a second, but her level of anger and I don't care and whatever, um, I thought was was quite accurate. Yeah. And, you it know... It made perfect sense to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
And I think the babysitter's reactions, especially in 1993, but even even now, are also really um, accurate because we want our victims of any kind to be sad and contrite and grateful for things that they get, right? As a society, <laughs> like this is this is why we have such a hard time with racial justice things, right? And I'm sure you can talk about this, Emily. Like when, if people are not just sad, if people are angry, um, if people want things to change or want to dismantle the police, then that becomes like, but why aren't you just being like a sad victim that I can care for? And I think people also want to be heroic, right? And I think the BSC definitely has a, a little bit of a savior complex sometimes. And so people come into a situation ready to have empathy for a child that's been through stuff like this. And then they're humans and the child is mean, um, which she, I think it's descriptive that Lou's mean. Um, and then people's empathy runs out. Um, and they're like, well, I was going to be here for you. And I was going to be nice when I thought I could just like pity you. But now that I have to deal with the whole gamut of what has happened to you and how your little brain and emotional system are processing it, that's, that's not okay. You know, like I can understand it up to this point, but not that point. And some other things that I thought were really good was Lou not liking to be touched. You know, there's several different times where the babysitters have the urge to hug her or put her, their arm around her and pat her. Um, and it was clear that, you know, now this is more true. It obviously varies state to state and region to region, but, um, you know, foster parents and adoptive parents get a lot of training, ideally, um, to understand to be trauma-informed and to understand what kids have been through. I don't think the word trauma-informed was in the lexicon in 1993. It's definitely something across the last 15, 20 years. But I did like that her uncle sort of knocks her on the shoulder at the party in a playful way. Like, he doesn't try to give her a big hug. He doesn't try. And, and she sort of accepts that, you know. Um, so I, it seems like... The BSC is going in thinking, this is going to just be like any kid. And, and we love the Papadakises and they're so great. So Lou's going to be happy to be there and grateful. And we'll just, you know, go in and do what we do. And it'll be great. And she'll like us and she'll like the other kids. And their their shock and then their annoyance is makes sense to me. And I think is, a, I actually think is a nice move because sometimes they behave so beautifully that I think it's unrealistic. So I sort of like that they're kind of like mad about it or dreading being with her because they don't have any training. And I think that that's often like the reaction. And I don't uh, like, I don't know. So I thought that those things made sense the way that they were written. And I thought their reactions to her made sense. Yeah, I mean, they're a little self-righteous, but like what else is new? Right. <laughs> kind of like the BSC's whole thing. Yeah. One thing that kind of stood out to me was whenever Lou was misbehaving and the babysitters got really upset or angry, they like mm -hmm. grabbed her. Mm -hmm. They like picked her up or they like grabbed her arm to pull her back. And that kind of like, that happened like at least three times I yeah. feel in the book. And each time I was kind of like, it made me cringe a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Because she also wasn't hurting herself. She wasn't hurting somebody else. And, you know, one time, I forget if it was Marianne that was babysitting her or who, who it was where she starts to run away. That, um, yeah, that was the first instance, which I thought that was, was the first okay. instance. And and yeah, I, I didn't I still wouldn't recommend it because like, where where's she going to go? You know, right. we're in tiny Stony Brook. You just call the neighbors and let them know that Lou's running down the street and you need an adult. Like, you don't try to restrain her yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and I get the impulse in that moment. But the other times I was like, what? Stop grabbing her, you guys. Yeah, I completely yeah. agree. And also something that would not go well for most people that had, had, you know, most little kids that have had the story that she's had. Anything else that you guys thought made sense or was good Psych like that you assumed was good psychologically? No. <laughs> what about the the animal abuse? Yeah. So the animal abuse was interesting. I think um, we don't know what Lou's personal abuse background was, right? So we know that her mom left. We know that she'd been in some rough circumstances. 
I, I, I decided not to go data today. I decided to go more like clinically, the clinical perspective versus the science perspective, right? So I don't have um, stats for you on the number of kids in foster care who have experienced physical abuse, but I know that it's high. Um, and I've worked with a lot of foster kids myself um, where that's in their background. And so it is very common when you are a little kid and you have been hurt that you hurt other people that are your age or smaller, uh, including other animals that are your age or smaller. So um, her explanations for it were interesting, though. And I kind of felt like they tried to give her an out. So I don't remember the specifics, but like she was teasing Boo Boo at one point. She was like, oh, I knew a cat who could do this. Or there were a couple of, do you guys remember either of them? Well, they put Boo Boo in a pillowcase or she put, Mm -hmm. right? And then they blindfolded Shannon. Oh yeah, she like those were two separate ones. Yeah, the one with Boo Boo in the pillowcase, Shannon was trying to get Boo Boo, so she had Boo Boo in the pillowcase with her with the claws out, and then there was some like thing. I don't know. I think she, maybe she was trying to get Shannon to get Boo Boo or something, and Boo Boo was like losing it, and so when Christy tries to take Boo Boo, she like trips over Shannon, and then the she gets all scratched from the cat falling out of the pillowcase or something. And then the blindfolded one was like, I think that was also Shannon, but a separate circumstance. Um, if she had, she knew a dog that could do that. And then also with the Papadakis's dog, she's pretending to flush the tennis ball down the toilet so that the dog will like get it out of the toilet or something. I, that one, I wasn't sure. And then she keeps saying, I knew a dog once that could do all kinds of tricks. Like your pets are dumb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I think they're setting it up as an expression of loss from this dog that she had before with her dad. But also there's, you know, it it is common to reenact abusive situations. Um, So it's unclear to me whether that was supposed to be like just an expression of her impulsivity and her like difficulty knowing where lines were, right? Um, And that she legitimately just thought she could teach them tricks versus... Uh, like active animal cruelty. It didn't seem like active animal cruelty to me because she usually, she wasn't like apologetic, but she was like explaining it in a way that wasn't like, she didn't seem happy to that she was like upsetting the animals. She was trying to get them to do something cool. I don't know. The other things that I thought really didn't go well is the the rules, all the rules that the Papadakis is um, that Lou was pushing against Totally made sense to me. You know, all kids need structure, but part of being trauma-informed is knowing what kids have been through before and knowing that Lou has had this kind of loosey-goosey upbringing, having so many rules about things that she's expected to follow immediately because that's what the Papadakis kids do is not in line with how foster parents would be trained currently and um, doesn't make a lot of sense. The worst one to me was the no snacking between meals. Because something like, and again, I'm pulling numbers here, this is not data, but it's a very high number of kids in foster care have experienced food insecurity. And so very basic foster care training is that you should have snacks available all the time. And you should not have rules that the kid is not allowed to eat in their room. You should not, and you should like, when a kid comes to your house, be like, here's where we keep snacks. You can, this is your house. You can eat anytime you want to eat. You can like, and that you should make them things that they want to eat. You shouldn't do like, if you have rules about what your family eats, but this kid only eats dinosaur nuggets, you should buy the damn dinosaur nuggets because that is not the important thing right now in this child's life. Um, So that whole piece, I was like, yikes, that is not, that is not cool and could make her feel a a lot more angry and a lot more unsettled than necessary. And the Papadakas are effing rich. They could have a cupboard of food that Lou could eat anytime that she wants and it would be fine. So that was one that I thought was a little bit more subtle that I was really like, yee, no, don't do that. And then I was just also, I know a lot of the times they weren't technically babysitting Lou. She was just like hanging out in the yards but I felt like she was getting babysat a lot for being in this new foster family for one month. <laughs> I was kind yeah, of like, like they were where, always gone or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Where are Mr. and Mrs. Papadakis? Like they should not like you, if you're going to take in your, your first foster child, you like, I know everybody needs childcare occasionally, but it seemed like Lou was on her own a lot without the caring adults that were supposed to be taking care of her. Yeah. 
and and that leaving that up to the members of the BSC without giving them some training was yeah. was not cool. That's a no no. Yeah. So those were the things that jumped out to me. I didn't think it was terrible. I thought it was a good exercise and and like good for them to understand that it's really complex because it is really like the whole foster care system is really complex and the process of reunification is complex and fine, you know, but this one doesn't age as well as some of the, you know, like Jesse's secret language, I think ages better, for instance. Yeah. A little disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I feel like like this book was especially long. (laughs) Is or it longer it's not than, long? No, yeah, I think it is kind of long. Yeah, one sixty-two. Yeah, it is long. I feel like you know some of the other ones are definitely not that long. Like reaching up to look at. One <laughs> I think what made it long is that the chapters that illustrated Lou's behaviors there there were a lot of them, and yeah. they were they were pretty long, like yeah. maybe too long. Yeah, the chapters were longer in this one for sure. Yeah. Emily doesn't remember because she read it at 530 in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing I thought this is more of an Anne, but you guys both read it on Kindle. So I don't know if you've have you seen the cover? Did you look at the cover? Lou looks like she's like coming out of newsies on this cover. <laughs> like, I don't know where she gets these brown overalls and this like shirt, but I was just like, I, did. I mean, I know that she's poor, but she's got elbow patches on her sweater. I know. I like, well, that's yeah. a description in the book, too. Yeah. She is at one point wearing what Christy speculates might have been her dad's or her brother's mm. okay. sweater that okay. has patches on it. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Is this a, is this a boxcar child? Yeah. <laughs> she does look like a boxcar child. That would explain... So, yeah. This is the crossover so speaking of Lou, whose legal name is Louisa McNally, um, I am curious what you think about Lou's gender identity and all that kind of stuff, Emily. Well, it's interesting because when Lou first, when we first hear an inkling of Lou, it is n- unknown who the foster kid's going to be. And the Papadakuses are arguing over whether they want a sister or a brother. And then when they show up with Lou for the first time, they like can't figure out if she's a boy or a girl. And it's kind of like something that gets belabored in that moment a bit. Like, and then I feel like it's a constant refrain of, of context or commentary every time Lou's over that she opts not to play with the girls. And in fact, she's making fun of their playhouse that they're building and she'll, she'll rough around and like play with the boys, but not with the girls. And it's just like kind of constantly remarked upon as though like part of her expression of trauma is like not wanting to associate with her gender or something. It's it's like that argument is not made, but it's hinted at in a way that I I think is a little bit strange, right? Don't try and call her Louisa. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm fucked up, you know, like I'm I'm angry because of my trauma. So you can't tell if I'm a boy or a girl. That's part of my anger. You know, like it kind of like trivializes a bit or not trivializes, but like it it's very subtly offers an explanation for a kind of like, you know, what we might now think of as genderqueer or non-binary gender expression as like caused by trauma, um, which I think is a little problematic (laughs) it's very subtle but um it definitely jumped out at me and like and I think it's reinforced by the fact that in the happy ending sending off party when Lou gets a puppy and she's united with her new family and feeling all happy and like herself around her brother she's suddenly reconciled with the girls right like she gets a puppy she starts being friends with the girls she apologizes for ruining their playhouse and they uh, they tell her about their plans to make it into a castle and she gets excited about that and says like you can have a moat and now 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 her like trauma is on the mend and she's a girl again or she yeah. can talk to the girls again yeah. you know like mm-hmm. i i was like ooh that's a little yeah. icky to me but no that's a great point it's a great yeah. point um and and again i think it harkens back to the complexity though because we do know I mean more research is coming out that not at all let me be clear I agree with your statement completely not that Mm -hmm. all that like gender diversity is caused by trauma but we do know 
that there's a, a bit of a chicken and an egg thing, right? Because of course, well, when you're right, that you can experience, experience a lot of trauma. trauma. Yeah. And, yes. and we do know that um, LGBTQ kids are overrepresented in the foster system, mm-hmm. um, you know, compared to the general population. There's a higher mm-hmm. percentage. Um, and that many genderqueer people have experienced trauma. So yeah, it, and food yeah. insecurity and homelessness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but I do. So it's, just, it's super complex. Right. But I think like, right. I think if this book had been written today, mm-hmm. that Lou could have been like explicitly genderqueer, it wouldn't, it, and like her genderqueerness wouldn't have been resolved with the resolution mm-hmm. of her, yeah. of her homeless, and not homelessness as an unhoused, but like her right. sense of not having a home. Right. 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 And her, so like her, suddenly yeah. she has a new family and a new home and she's back to um, being a girl playing with the girls. Right. And even Christy kind of, partakes, you know, she has this flash of realization where she's like, oh, it's not that she's not a girl. It's that she's a girl like me who doesn't want to wear a skirt, but she's going to feel good in her nice new sweater. You know, it does compliment her eyes or whatever. And then she's like, okay, I'll put on the sweater. And now suddenly she's like a girl again, you know, yeah. but you can imagine like a different way of talking about the the correlation between you know, rates of, of genderqueer LGBTQ kids in foster care and have her gender identity be part, be like a part of who she is, not something to be fixed. Yeah, totally. You know, like and leaving that message implicit is really dangerous in a book that's marketed to 10 year olds. Yeah. (laughs) Because it's going to come across as that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. As this was something that was wrong with her that was fixed. Yeah, Um, Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's like very subtle. Um, and I imagine like, you know, you only have a very small percentage of people who are like hip to breaking apart gender, sex and sexuality in the 90s mm-hmm. who would have read it and been like, yikes. But like, yeah. ooh, there's a little bit of yikes in there. Yeah, there is definitely a little bit of yikes in there. Mm-hmm. But that was kind of my only my only thing, really. Yeah. Yeah. What did you guys think of the I, I, I forgot to talk about this, but what did you guys think of the party? Oh, like that is weird. Like- Oh, the end? Yeah. I, it felt like that the party wasn't a real party. Like, you know how sometimes I'll make all these arguments about things and Anne's like, I think it's just a plot device. Like, I feel like they were like, (laughs) okay, we need some way to get everyone in a room and like tie up all the loose ends. Mm -hmm. But like, how do we really do that? I know. Let's just make them have a party for something that doesn't make sense and that no one would have a party for. I don't know. Yeah. It was weird. What do you think, Anne? I mean... It makes sense in the BSC universe that they would do that. <laughs> Everybody has a party for everything in Stony Brook. So what yeah. else are we going to do? Yeah. Fair enough. I, I That just, that also struck me as a very bad idea with a foster kid that's only been with you for a month to then have like a, I mean, a lot of eight-year-olds would not like to be the center of attention at a big party like that. Well, yeah. No. The issue is I feel like it's a happy ending for the babysitter's club. Like, like it's oh, question it's a half- mark ending. Yeah, probably. but it's like we don't know what's going to happen. Like she's going on to this whole other difficult scenario. Um, yeah. But she has a puppy and a brother. Yeah. Fixed. And now she can play with girls again. <laughs> I know. So there is uh my my darling husband uh just bought the rest of the main series books that I didn't have yet. Some of them were doubles, so I have some to give to you when I come visit you, Anne. Mm-hmm. Um but one of them is Abby and the best kid ever, which comes along in like 60 books and Lou is back. Excuse me? Oh, I just did you happened. Say, yeah. Did you I say just 60? Happened. No, did you say 60 books? <laughs> Hold on, let me find it. Yeah, it's number 116. Oh, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. You guys are going to stress our fans out when you make noises like that. Um, <laughs> it's part of our bit. I know, it's yeah. true. It's part of the brand. (laughs) Anyway, head on over to Patreon for more (laughs) content like this. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) more Anne and Emily trolling me and pretending they're going to leave my life forever and quit the podcast. It's so fun. Um, (laughs) Wow, drama. Anyway, do we want to cheat and look at the back of Abby and the Best Kid Ever, or do we want to just leave it for now and know that it's out there? And wait, I'm going to forget about it. So yeah, okay. So we haven't heard the last of Lou McNally. Great. And take us out of this pit of despair. There was a lot of pop culture in this book. Yeah. Well, just 
you know, following up on Emily's section, I like, what do you think was the writer's decision to make Lou not just like a Louisa, you know, like, do you think it was just to make her extra different and extra? I, I psychologically, I think it was because she's mostly raised by her dad and lived with her older brother, both Mm -hmm. of whom she clearly idolized. And so I think they're trying to make it a pretty simplistic, like, she was She's without a missed mom. missed out on the mother influence. Yeah. She, so she have, doesn't know how yeah. to, like, girly things or whatever. Exactly. Which we yeah. had a lot of tropes about in the 80s, right? And, like, a lot of, like, mm-hmm. you know, tomboy girls in movies and stuff who were raised by dads. And um, mm-hmm. that's not what we get from Mr. Spear because he was, like, being super extra careful. Um, but I think that... I think that's what it was trying to represent is just sort of this simplistic, like, no feminine influence. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like the inspiration was Pepper from from Annie the Musical. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my God, I love it. <laughs> I feel like that was the vibe they were going for because I'm pretty sure Pepper wore that exact same outfit in Annie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's fair. Pepper's the best. Pepper is the oh, best. Oh man. So um, okay, so some pop culture nuggets. I feel like, what was the ghostwriter's name? Nola Thacker. Oh, Nola. I feel like she was trolling us a bit because <laughs> there are three Wizard of Oz references in this book. <laughs> and the first two come within like the first 10 pages. And I was like, okay, this is interesting. She's like, all right, Anna, I'll put Wizard of Oz in, I promise. <laughs> right. I thought the, I liked the, the idea of they had to raise money for new computers because that was mm-hmm. like, if your school was like a good school, you had a computer lab. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For you sure. Know. I don't I don't think our did our middle school have computers? I don't D- think I it, mean I feel like there was I don't remember seeing them anywhere. Yeah, I don't remember either. I don't think it did. I mean mine definitely did, but <laughs> they were pretty we had we had a computer lab in elementary school, but it was like those really, really old computers that had black a black screen with green yeah. text. It was basically HTML. Yeah, um, that's what we had in elementary school too with like the one yeah. at the back of the classroom you got to have your turn playing Oregon Trail exactly mm, yeah, yeah. Um, and we had in middle school we definitely had computers in the English classrooms because we used the accelerated reader program which was like you take a quiz and it places you in a in a range of reading level and then you're supposed to take a certain number of quizzes on books that you read like every mm-hmm. month or something and you have to read books like in your target level in order mm. to get enough points. So, so it was like a, yeah. yeah. So you, there were computers in all the classes. You didn't have anything that. remotely like that. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I took like a typing summer course right. in high school. Oh yeah. Right before high school, <laughs> oh. before freshman year, we had to take yeah. that two week class. Yeah. I already knew how to type by the time I got yeah. to high school. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. We were older than you. Yeah. We yeah. Were- but, uh, well, yes. Yeah, so I spent a lot of time on AOL Instant Messenger. Oh, so, so did, did we. I. We were just older. We were yeah. just yeah. older. <laughs> It, That's we, so we, weird that we, we had never that all too. chatted on and no. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was we on had AIM. AIM. <laughs> yeah, I was on AIM well into the well into the odds. Um, what was your screen name? It still it was always been the same. Mm. It was it was like Annie Itchy, but then mm-hmm. I had a lot of aliases for when I wanted to go on but only be seen by my close friends. Whoa, yeah. you Wait, had a Finsta. Remind me one of those. One was like. Uh, I think one was at Candy Kick. Oh yeah, soccer soccer chick seventy eight. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it was Annie Itchy with two zeros, and then oh yeah, Candy Kick. Annie Itchy double O. The yeah. candy with a candy. K. Sorry, it was Candy Kick, uh, amalgamation of your Claudia personality and yeah, soccer. soccer. Maybe I I, yeah. I don't know where that came from, but I need to think about it. Yeah. I think I have I, a hypothesis. I feel like I even had two, two other three names. Yeah. Mine was just Esme, Esme Alex. Yeah. Mm, Classic. Yeah. Um, What was yours? Oh, yeah. What was yours? Yeah. Like, should we get Kate Crandall? My uh, my same handle. Yeah. Oh. I'm sad that uh, none of us had like a, you know, like an XX emo girl or 2069. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. I'm sure Micah, I don't think Micah had aim, but I'm sure his would have either had 420 or 69 in it. I had a patient once that, um, (laughs) she was like 18 when I was working with her, but she'd had the same email address since she was 12. And she like, I needed it to send like a recommendation. And then she was like, 
I don't want to tell you my email. <laughs> and she was like very embarrassed. And I was like, this was like 10, 12 years ago. And I was like, why? Why won't you tell me your email? She was like, it's really embarrassing. And I was like, what? How, how is it embarrassing? It was her first initial, which I'll change. So it's, you really can't find her. But so it was like G. No, G sounds like it goes with it. Never mind. Uh, let's say K. It was her first initial. And then it was fucking Murda. <laughs> at yahoo.com and and it was spelled like f-u-c-k-e-n-m-u-r-d-a-h amazing okay fucking murder at at yahoo.com and you're like thank you i'm never gonna forget that yeah and also i just started an email account called e fucking murder exactly exactly (laughs) so good thanks for the hot tip yeah i was like crying (laughs) laughing and she was like i told you you were gonna laugh at me i was like yeah but just because i love it so much anyway you should probably get another email it's free and you're applying for jobs (laughs) it's free (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so then she got a gmail with her real name to apply for That's like good. jamba juice or whatever she was applying for but amazing yeah it'd be funny anyway. if that was her real name <laughs> fucking murder hey yeah. fucking murder anyway. anyway what else annie um i thought it was funny when i think it was money he, he chose rhode island as his state project oh relatable <laughs> because i 100 percent did that and I had the exact same outcome that he did. <laughs> oh my god! Literally, yeah, I laughed I, so hard. Yeah. So we had to make these like soap relief maps. What grade was that in? Of uh, uh, fifth. Fifth grade. You so did California and in, in fourth and fourth, then, yeah, yeah, states in fifth. Yeah. So you had to make a relief map, and everyone had to pick a state. And you know, if you're, if I was smart, I would be like, pick one of the flat states right? Like Kansas or something. But instead I picked the smallest state, which is not that flat, it turns out. (laughs) So like I had to make this like relief map of Rhode Island and it was much more difficult than I thought. And I thought I did Oregon. I think I also had Rhode Island in the state (laughs) game. (laughs) Fucking slackers. Emily Crandall, Annie Chikawa and Linny effing Papadakis. (laughs) Papadakis. <laughs> Linny fucking Myrna uh, Papadakis. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All trying to game the system. I was really like, funny. I have relatives in Oregon and it has a pretty coastline. I'm going to do Oregon. <laughs> so funny. I was like, I'm going to be nah. the hardest state. What would be the nah, hardest man. state to do, you think? Like, for the map or for the information? For the map. Oh, Alaska probably. Hmm. Yeah. You got that archipelago and tons of mountains. I mean, California seems pretty hard. Yeah. Right? Let's just put a big old big old bowl in the middle where Emily's from yeah. and then you're, you're good. That's true. <laughs> I mean, uh, even that doesn't get you there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I thought that was funny. I thought, also thought it was funny when they were like looking through the donated items for the auction mm-hmm. and there was a toaster. It was an old toaster, <laughs> but... I was like, damn, Chrissy could have like just that. donated like a shit ton of toasters. So many. I know. I was really disappointed that it only said toaster and not toaster oven. I was like, I well, we need to know. I know. Um, oh, Sweet Jane, singer of the Sleaze Buckets. Mm-hmm. I feel like there was a lot of like East Village rock and roll references, mm-hmm. like in this in this uh, in this book. Which I thought. Yeah. So is Sweet Jane Debbie Harry? Do you think, or do you? Who do you think that is? I thought it was more like a. I thought it was maybe like Courtney Love. Mm, yeah. Fair. Um, who like lived through this right, hadn't come out, but they were like on. I guess if yeah. you were like cool, you probably knew who they were mm-hmm. already. Yep. Let's see. Uh, Lauren Connor, whose album won four Grammys, who. Ended up donating something to the auction, mm-hmm. I believe. Uh, not a real person, but I kind of was like, oh, who, did anyone win four Grammys in 1992? Mm-hmm. Um, no one did, but mm. the person who won the most Grammys was uh, Natalie Cole. Oh, she oh won, interesting. She won three Grammys in 1992. Okay. Um, and then I just wanted to go down the other things that... Before they had officially gotten the stuff, so not the official request to the celebrities or famous people, mm-hmm. um, 
So Cam Gary, you know, he sent his jacket. Mm-hmm. Uh, from his was, movie. From his movie. And then they also wanted to get a guitar pick from the group Smash. Jazzy Prince's shirt. And like, Jazzy Prince made me <laughs> spit my tea. I was like, oh, a, Thacker, you can try a little harder. No, than but he was mentioned these. in a previous book too, Jazzy he was? Prince. Yeah. I didn't remember Jazzy Prince. Oh yeah. my God. Hilarious. It's really funny. I mean, obviously a reference to... Uh, DJ Jazzy Jeff and Jazz, the Fresh Prince. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they just combined Prince. them into yeah. one person. Um, so funny. They also wanted to get a blanket worn by a horse who won a race. <laughs> Okay, Mallory. <laughs> they did. And they did. Uh, the Kentucky Derby. Yeah. yeah also. Not, just not just like a race. race. Yeah. 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 Uh, and Derek Masters that I talked about, which would make absolute sense. That actually makes sense. Yeah. But the, the things they actually got were, let's see. They got the thing from Lauren, Lauren Connors. Uh, Jesse got old toe shoes from a famous ballerina. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mallory. So to to harken back to our episode, okay, with wait, Sasha, those wouldn't really hold on. be valuable, right? They go through them like crazy. I have I spotted an inconsistency. Oh, oh. So Jesse says that she suggested the ballet oh, yeah. shoes and that everyone shot it down, but then it's something that they list as oh. having gotten. So does does it is it an inconsistency or is it Jesse was just like? F all you white girls. I'm going to get my toe shoes anyway, even though you think it's a bad idea. I think it's an inconsistency. Nice. I think it would be really weird to plan to mess that up on purpose. Fair enough. Yep. (laughs) Um, Mallory got an autograph box set of books from an author she likes Mm. and and the blanket. (laughs) The horse blanket. The dirty horse blanket. How How much money do you think the horse blanket went for? $20. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you have a kid who's like super horse obsessed and you already want to donate to the Stony Brook computer lab, I could imagine somebody paying money for that. Okay. And we know Marianne got the Camry jacket, but let's talk about Stacy who got a Mm, baseball signed by the entire team who won the world series. No, the pennant, not the the world series. Just this, just the, I'm assuming the, you know, American League or the National League. Right. I feel like they they portray Stacy as just being savvy for like what people are going to want, like not mm-hmm. what she actually wants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. She's like, exactly. she's like, there are some jocks in Stony Brook. This yeah. is going to be a hot ticket item. Yeah, yeah totally. Every, yeah. yeah, everyone focus on their own interests. Mm-hmm. So Stacy's just trying to get that those ducats. Yeah. Stacy's like, how can we make the most yeah. money? I'm the yeah. treasurer of this bitch. Yeah, let's go. So Chrissy yeah, is yeah. a Lauren Connors fan, apparently. <laughs> Wait, Claudia so didn't get anything. See, I'm telling you, Claudia was like completely left out of this book. Oh, except for a, one of my favorite Claudia moments of all time, but it's a candidate for pizza toast. So oh, okay. Yeah. Um, what else do I have? Oh, and JC Khaleesi. I know what it is, I think. JC Khaleesi, who like Christy bit on, is not a real person. Yeah, I actually, mm. that was convincing. I actually Googled her. Yeah. <laughs> and the, or I made Gary Google her because sometimes at night I want to know something, but I don't want to look at my phone. Right. He was like, well, according to the Babysitter's Club Wikipedia, she is the first woman to win this race. Right. But oh it's God, also, so let's, let's talk about the name JC Khaleesi. Yeah. <laughs> what? This um, is where George R.R. R. Martin was inspired. Yeah. yeah. He, he read uh, Babysitter's Club number 62. <laughs> and only number 62. Yeah. yeah. Actually, that we could maybe try to connect all the Game of Thrones characters to the Babysitter's Club universe and see if it matches oh, up. Oh, Arya is Lou. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Khaleesi is Don. I don't know. <laughs> mm, long blonde hair. Yeah. Long blonde Nailed hair. it. Wow. And the great Gilly Hopkins is a real book about mm-hmm. yeah. the foster kid. Up on our bookshop. Mm-hmm. And that's, those are all the nuggets I have. Beautiful. There's yeah. a lot of candy. There's a lot There's of a lot food. Of or a lot of snacks. Yeah. A lot of snacks. Room. Uh, she has yogurt raisins, which. Eh, like why would she have I like yogurt, yogurt raisin? They're too sweet, but I still like them. Um, I know as we love a sourdough pretzel. Mm, so does Emily. You know who else loves a sourdough pretzel? Yeah. This bitch. <laughs> yeah. Especially um, with some cream cheese. Mm, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah, I forgot. That's such Hell like yeah. a like is that like a your family thing or is that a white people thing? 
I think it's, I think a, it's our an family our family thing. Because yeah. yeah. you guys, I remember, I Esme, you would also dip your salami in cream cheese. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And like, do you do too. that? I do not. Yeah. Okay. That I think I got from the Altamiranos, though. Because mm, okay. remember, Diane would do the little fold over of salami and cream cheese and then put toothpicks in like a mm-hmm. cabbage head at a party. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was good. <laughs> It was good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Other white people, let us know if you like to put cream cheese on your sourdough pretzels because. Like I a hard pretzel yeah, that you like dip in the cheese. Yeah. Yeah. Not yeah. like a soft pretzel. Yeah. Soft pretzels yeah, are for beer cheese, <laughs> Yeah. Anne's been wanting more mail. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Malabar's mm-hmm. uh, Frosted Frost. Flakes, a box of Fro Flakes. Yes, I loved that because the proper way to eat Frosted Flakes is as a snack with a glass of milk on the side. They get way too soggy if you eat them in a bowl. I love them as a sweet snack. Claudia's not wrong. Look at Emily's eyes. They're <laughs> wide. You were just like so... Esme really likes Frosted Flakes. Only as a snack. I really do like it as a snack. It's too sweet when you put them together. You need the like non-sweet milk to balance it out. So you like have a handful of the flakes and then you take a sip of milk. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, the milk gets super sweet. Yeah. Which I know is the point of a sugar cereal, but which is why I don't like eating sugar cereals as cereal because it's too sweet. Fro-fro flakes. And she calls them fro-fro flakes. Yeah. Um, pizza puffs, which I don't really know what pizza puffs are. I assume it's one of those frozen, like, roll. No, why her, would she uh, have those in her room? Oh, it's in her room. Oh, then I think it's like a, a, like a ch- cheese ball, but pizza flavored. Okay. Ooh, interesting. I feel like there, or is it like, no, it's not a combo, but you know, combos had like pepperoni flavor. Okay. She also had marshmallows and fig newtons. I do like a fig newton. I like a fig newton too. <laughs> but, but Dawn like talks it up and everybody's like, ew, <laughs> they, they want something else. Right. Yeah. Dawn's like, that's a great healthy choice. You guys. And they're like, ugh, way to harsh our mellow Dawn. Yeah. I'll they're like, Malibars never mind. Instead. Yeah, no. give me give me the fake stuff. Um, oh, Don. So, so not annoying. really any candy, just a lot of more snack foods, more junk food. Oh, well, yeah, sourdough pretzel. I feel like um, anytime we record in the middle of the day or like near a time when all of us should be eating, we spend so much time yeah, on this section of the real. podcast. I am kind yeah. of hungry right yeah. now. Yeah, it's about to be noon in California, <laughs> and Emily's in her mid afternoon peckish time. <laughs> All right. Not a lot of tallies in this book. One health food, two shy, and one sensitive. Oh. So not a lot of descriptors. Um, it feels to me like the the ghostwriters either lean deeply into the descriptors or don't really do them very much. And Nola Thacker, I don't think, does them very much so far. I and mean, this is only her second book, but um, I don't remember. I don't think she did a ton in Christie for President either. I'm just looking really fast. Yeah. She only did four in that one as well. And also too shy. So she likes to, too shy. She likes to call Marianne shy. When you said too shy, I heard it to the tune of too fast, too furious. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was referencing. I don't know, man. I've been up for a while. <laughs> I'm not a, I don't do mornings typically, so it gets weird Fair when I'm up for too long. Okay, um, what do we have for our favorite lines? Okay, well, mine is related to my favorite moment of Claudia's, which... Emily, you have a guess. Pizza sandwich? Pizza sandwich. Yeah. It is <laughs> so good. good. Yeah. So, but the my weirdest line is pizza unwitch because yeah. uh, that's how she says it with the pizza sandwich in her mouth. I so, do feel yeah. like it's been a long time since we have done a like misspoken, mm-hmm. w- yeah. mispronounced word as a title. Those are yeah. always good. Um, I feel like there weren't as many good kid ones because all the kids are like fighting. Yeah. And being yeah. this book, being they, unclear. Yeah. They say, Gigundly a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a good they one. They say Gigundly Super and Fabuloso Superoso. Mm-hmm. I kind of like Fabuloso Superoso, but that's a funny, it's uh, not a very apt title given yeah. our no. <laughs> general it's not feeling of the book. Fabuloso Superoso. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, I'm down with, with Isa Unwitch. Isa Unwitch. Yeah. Okay. Just, Just to be clear for our listeners that. It's because Claudia takes two slices of pizza and she puts the topping parts together and then eats it, which I feel like it's a very Claudia thing to do and something that Anne would do like very excitedly. Like, look what I made. 
Like, look at my invention. Look at my great idea. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do you think I should make a business out of it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Mm. Pizza sandwiches? Mm, pizza sandwich. Um, I like it when Logan said strong like Popeye. <laughs> oh, my God. Because it's, it's like... Should that be the title? It's like a weird caveman, like strong like Popeye. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yes. Yes, it but is. I feel like we should do Pizza Unwitch just because pizza Claudia unwitch. is basically absent from this. Yeah, there's not enough Claudia in this book. So let's give her... Yeah. Yeah, let's give her the title. Let's do it. Oh, but wait. Okay, but then what should we actually do our pizza toast to? Um, eats a sandwich, pizza sandwich. Uh, Was was anybody? Who are the cranes? This this family with three children that Jesse's babysitting for. Did they get introduced in like a little sister book or something? And that's why we've never seen. We haven't heard of them before, right? No, I I sure haven't. No, I haven't. That doesn't mean that we haven't. I remember reading that chapter. And being like, yeah, skip. I don't know these people. <laughs> I, I've never heard of them. So, I mean, they probably got introduced somewhere else. I feel like that happened when, um, the Delan- was it the Delaney's that moved away? And we were like, wait, what? Like, <laughs> and it was mm-hmm. that they moved away in a little sister book. So maybe the cranes moved into town in a little sister book. But what are you going to do? I, one other thing that I thought was good, I'm going to give a sincere one and then we can pizza toast to pizza sandwich if you guys want. But the other thing I thought was good was Lou's um, interest in the mail and her optimism about them finding her mom. Because Mm. even though her mom has been a disappointment to her in so many ways, that is also a really common thing for foster kids because you just want to get back to the things that you know. Um, And I thought, her showing that to to so many people was not realistic, but it's a book and we want to get inside her head a little mm-hmm. bit from the third person. So, so you want a pizza toast to the USPS? I mean, I think we've done that before and I'm a big <laughs> fan, but um, <laughs> but I don't know. What do you guys want a pizza toast to? Pizza sandwich. Yeah. All when right. Do we get, when do we get to say pizza toast to something pizza? That's hardly true. ever. Yeah, hardly okay. ever. <laughs> a pizza toast to pizza sandwich. To pizza to sandwich. Pizza sandwich. <laughs> This episode of Stuck in Stony Brook is now adjourned. Thank you to Anna Martin for everything. This episode of Stuck in Stony Brook is edited by Salar Khan. You can find her work and hire her at propodcastediting.net. Theme song written and recorded by Gary Schaller, performed by the band Kid Kit. You can follow us on Instagram at Stuck in Stony Brook or find us on our website, stuckinstonybrook.com. You can also join us on Patreon for bonus content at patreon.com slash stuckinstonybrook. Need some books that we mentioned? Buy them from our bookshop and support both a local independent bookstore and your favorite series literature analysis podcast. Find us at bookshop.org slash shop slash Stuck in Stony Brook. Lastly, if you're feeling dibly generous and you want to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, that would be super helpful. You're the best friends a girl could ask for. 